Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bees Knees Podcast. We're your hosts, Ben and Brittany, and if you haven't already, please download this episode. And make sure to check out the link in the description where you can find links to our socials and Discord. Happy listening. Just a few hours ago, I was scrolling through social media mm-hmm. and discovered um, this farticle. Which, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> it's a farticle. It's a fake article, which I have to admit, at first when I read it, I was like, oh, I have to tell Ben this. He's going to think this is hilarious because me being as gullible as I am fully thought that this was a true story. Okay. You, well, I then later found out that it was not real. <laughs> um. Anyway, so Leonardo DiCaprio's ex-girlfriend Camilla Marone details the worst date of her life Ooh. with Leo. She says, imagine it was just somebody else. It's like, <laughs> just like Leo's ex, just to name drop there. Date with, I don't know, Sean Mendez. Joe Schmo. <laughs> anyway, uh, he rented out a whole cinema and made me watch every single Star Wars movie while he ran around with his lightsaber pretending to fight bad guys. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Ben's going to find this <laughs> so funny because you also force me to watch the Star Wars movies. I do not force you to do anything. As an annual I, ritual. I just watch them every year on my birthday, and you need to be there. And I just happen to be there. Need to. <laughs> you need to be there. Okay, so, yes, I would think it's funny because it is funny. I still think it's funny. I just like knowing, the imagery. Knowing it is satire, it is funny. It's one of the funniest Leonardo DiCaprio-related things there is. Yeah. But can I just say, like, Leo, if you ever want to take somebody on a date who will appreciate it, <laughs> I'd be the bad guy. Do you see Leo as actually being that much of a diehard Star Wars fan? I mean, I mean, I don't know him, so I can't say can't no. Say. I know. I think it's funny because other than his, you know, his tendency to date young models... <laughs> There's not really much about him in the tabloids. It's like, oh, Leo is doing this, like movie. But there's not really any, oh, Leo said this, or Leo flipped off the the paparazzi, or like Leo hid in a trash can. Like there's <laughs> nothing that really indicates of what kind of person he is other than like he's an environmentalist. He's an activist for um, like animals and and the environment and keeping the earth clean and healthy and everything. Besides that, personally, I don't think we know much about him. Little known fact, he is actually a very heavy advocate for Wookiee rights. Yeah. So, uh, and all that jazz. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, I think that would be funny if you and him... You and anyone really were just running around like psychopaths with your lightsabers. <laughs> and I don't know, like lightsaber hopefully isn't a euphemism for something else. Listen. <laughs> you. Uh, in other celebrity relationship news. The hot goss. The hot gossip. Yes. Um, Jason Momoa and his wife have announced a split. And I feel like that was about a week ago that that happened. And in this last week, all I've seen on social media is like thirsty mid thirties to like mid fifty year old women being like, "Oh, now's my chance! Oh my gosh, he's single again, ladies, let's go get him!" Like, 
really eager to go <laughs> get Jason Momoa. I don't really know what their plans are and how they're going to succeed in this. But finally, after a week of seeing all these different memes on like, yes, he's single. I see this perfect meme that says, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you do not have a chance with Jason Momoa. And it was great. We like talking about movies and TV or TV and movies because we're the bee's knees. Oh, yeah. So this week we've seen a, a pretty sizable trend of people downloading our entire catalog of episodes, mm-hmm. which it makes us feel really good. Yeah. So keep going. <laughs> but uh, just wanted to say thank you to everybody who's investing the time listening to us. It's it's just some, it's special. So like we mentioned on Twitter this week, we are talking about Eternals, finally, and Daredevil. We're covering a couple more episodes. So there are going to be spoilers. So going forward from here, uh, you've officially been warned. Yeah, so for Eternals, spoiler warning, if you want to listen to our thoughts on Daredevil episodes 5 and 6, there is a timestamp in the description that you can just fast forward past all the Eternals chat and just hear Daredevil content. If you're sticking around, Eternals, we finally watched it. I don't know about you, but it felt like an eternity. <laughs> nice. Pun- like intended, <laughs> I meant that. But it felt like it, such a big wait for such a small payoff. Yeah, I, I was very underwhelmed. And that was going in with the expectation that it was bad. Yeah. Because we watched or like we saw all the reviews and people were less than impressed with it for it being a Marvel film, for it being a Marvel film so late into the game. Like, it's there's no r- real excuse for it. It's not like it was Marvel back in 2000, right? Mm. Early 2000. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. So, people weren't impressed with it. We knew that going in. And then somehow we still managed to come out like, eh. When you have low expectations and are still underwhelmed, mm-hmm. it's disappointing. Saying that, there were things about this movie that I did really like. Mm-hmm. Most of it was technical stuff, like showing a speedster who doesn't just run around real fast and throw lightning bolts because of it, who yeah. actually uses that mass to just just run real fast into someone and yes. just send them flying. Just like make yourself into a bullet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Makari's life. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I really, I liked the idea behind all of the characters. Like, I thought they all had a good purpose. I liked their powers for the most part. Mm -hmm. I thought we got a good example of them using the powers to the fullest of their abilities, which was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the way in which they use the characters for the story. The story was lacking. The stories. This, it seemed a lot to me like... They were trying to put maybe like a trilogy of movies into one. Into one. Yeah. They weren't sure if Eternals was going to take off. And that lack of confidence just caused them to throw a bunch of stuff in. There was a story with the Deviant who was going around and evolving, evolving just to throw it away in the end for a different plot point that kind of superseded it. Yeah, they had the the love story triangle plot point that's introduced in the beginning, briefly mentioned in the middle, and then used in the conclusion, and then the credit scene. Yes, and that was 
kind of bogus because if Kit Harrington and I can't remember what his character's name is. Dane, I know. Dane, <laughs> Dane something. He was in it for all of five minutes. Yeah. If his character wasn't in it, it would have made no difference. Yeah. They're, apart from having Cersei and Icarus giving them a third to the love triangle, mm-hmm. I don't think he really served a purpose to this movie. He wasn't that human connection that kind of like followed them around. That was the cameraman. Yeah. He served a bigger purpose. He did. Yeah. Which is fine because he's hilarious. You, that, that, I, that was probably one of my favorite parts in the movie. Uh, what was his name? The finger guns guy? Uh, Kingo. So him, his cameraman, their relationship dynamic, pretty much any scene where Kingo gets a line of some kind or he gets to make a quip or a jab at somebody, I'm like, this is funny. I enjoy this character a lot. And his cameraman is also really great. My favorite one is like, so Kingo has told this cameraman and like valet everything. (laughs) Yeah, shoot everything. But he has also told him, like, I'm an eternal, I'm an ancient being. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, when I first met him, he thought I was a vampire, and he actually tried to stake me through the heart. <laughs> Which, one, I took that as a sign, like, because bl- we know Blade is going to be in the MCU soon. Right. So, so he thought it was, like, foreshadowing. It's just showing vampires or thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and I've apologized many, many times. Then King is just like, yeah, I don't think it's quite been enough. <laughs> just that, like... Yeah, they're, they're buds and I love it. I really love there's one scene where Kingo does something really cool where he like charges up or something yeah. his power and then lets it go on one of the <laughs> deviants and and it just like all blows up and he falls back or something. And it's just like, hey, did you get that? And he's like, I did, sir. And then it's just like, <laughs> but it's funny so because funny. immediately before he was like, stop filming. You like, don't film this. Yeah. Then he does it. Did you get that? I did, sir. <laughs> I know. He's like, any intimate moments, he's like, gosh, why do you always have your camera on? You stop it. And then anytime something cool happens, he's like, yeah, you better have got that. Did you get that? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. So that was really great. I loved those characters. Um, yeah. So basically this movie, I think, is just like you start off with who the Eternals are. Mm -hmm. Then you flash forward to the future following Cersei and Sprite. And she's in love with this guy and there's an earthquake. Okay. We don't really know why or what's happening. And then Icarus comes along with a deviant and here's ex-boyfriend. Here's now boyfriend. Now boyfriend probably feels a lot less secure in himself (laughs) after seeing old boyfriend who's actually a husband probably failed to mention that part but anyway (laughs) uh then we just like ditch boyfriend for a while go collect all the other eternals one like the mother of them all was dead we don't know why at that point yeah um and so then for a while yeah the focus is on the deviants collecting all the people deviant 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 then it's like oh no there's this actual like celestial who's being birthed from the earth's core and that explains why there have been all these earthquakes yeah so then the focus for a bit in the middle is split between celestial problem and deviant problem and then at that same time we also lose another really awesome character gilgamesh so it's like that felt really shitty the the better iron fist yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that felt really shitty though because i was like um, here's this really lovable character. He's like a big sweetheart, but also tough as hell. <laughs> he was lovable in many ways because, yeah, he was really cool and like the, he just punched the shit out of everything. But then he was also like 
goofy like when they first meet him and he's wearing that apron and he's like making like spit fermented beer yeah it was corn he chews each individual kernel and then ferments it (laughs) it's like but then he also has tasked upon himself looking after Thena and her dementia dementia thing mad weary or something yeah um yeah but I felt that when we lose Gilgamesh it felt to me very quick because we had already like the deviant came and they already had kind of stopped they started to stop caring so much about the deviant and focusing more on how to stop the celestial from emerging yeah and so it felt very rushed and like he didn't get the attention he deserved like he just sacrificed himself for the whole group and to protect Thena and it was just besides Thena I don't feel like any of them really spent a lot of time mourning or grieving Mm -hmm. and then it was back to like okay we really have to stop this celestial from emerging and again not really caring so much that hey there is an evolved like or uh, deviant deviant running around and the celestial emergence was like that came along close to the end and it just I get that that was kind of hinted at throughout it, like with the earthquake at the beginning mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it was, it superseded everything else. And it just kind of threw a couple plot lines and character moments just into the back burner. Like yeah. the whole evolving deviant yeah, was this small sub scene in a cave where he's just, you think he's getting Thena and then she turns it around and she, cuts him up into bits and it's like that was the climax of it yeah after we just watched Gilgamesh get his powers sucked out from him because this guy was too powerful and yeah it just all felt very rushed and even the twist the twist of finding out that Icarus was actually behind the death of I don't even know her name the mother figure one Ajak um and also wanting to stop them from stopping this celestial from emerging. Yeah. That also, it should have been like a big like, oh my gosh. But also he was always kind of a prick throughout the whole thing. <laughs> so I wasn't really surprised. I was like, oh. That checks out. Yeah. And I wish that if it hadn't have been so rushed, we would have been able to get to know him more instead of just like, he's a dick. Here's here's the reason I think he's a dick. So everybody's all like, oh, he's the greatest. He should be our leader. He's so strong. He's so powerful. But he's also like, I just bailed on my wife of how many thousands of years. Like 3,000 years. Didn't explain why. We find out that later as well. They end up coming back together because of the deviants arising. And the whole time, I feel like he's very, like, um, possessive of Cersei like unwarranted possession yeah like did I hear you say break up when like their uh video chat was breaking up yeah and he's just constantly like listening watching her pretending like he's gonna be the savior who's gonna save the day and protect her from everything and it's just the whole time it just felt uncomfortable and not genuine and I, maybe that's why, like, he was trying yeah. to play it that way because he was not a genuine person. I don't know. And it sucks because the actor, uh, is it Richard Madden? Is that his name? I'm terrible Game, at names. Game of you Thrones know guy. You know I'm bad at names. <laughs> Game of Thrones guy. Other Game of Thrones guy. He's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was wasted in this. Yeah. And 
honestly, I think it comes down to a lack of confidence in what this movie could have been. Yeah. Because you look at something like Guardians of the Galaxy. It had every potential to bomb. Yeah. But because James Gunn was like, this is my story. This is a good story. And it is this small focused story Mm -hmm. on this group coming together. Yeah. Once you add, the more characters you add, the more streamlined your story should be. Because each of those characters need to have the screen time to get us to actually love them or relate to them on some level. And I think that this could have, instead of being like two hours and 40 minutes, Mm -hmm. this could have been like a 90 minute, maybe two hour movie. Yeah. That focused just on the Eternals. Yeah. Showing us who they are, showing us what they can do, and the deviants coming around. Mm -hmm. And maybe the fight with this one evolving deviant could have been the only major plot of the first Eternals movie. Yeah. I wish it had have been just the showing the evolution of the deviants. Yes. Showing how they absorb the powers. Um, spending more time on the actual characters mm-hmm. so that if we if we felt that Icarus was an actual decent guy and we really like him, we also think that he's a hero. We also think that he should be the leader and that he is the glue that holds the group together. All those things that make a good leader. I want to see those in him mm-hmm. so that in the sequel that there should have been when they have the Celestial emerging... That's when we find out that he's been a bad guy the whole time. And that hurts us as an audience more. Having more positive investment in him Mm -hmm. would make that twist more gut-wrenching. I'm going to kind of reflect back to Guardians again. What is the best part of that movie? The interpersonal relationships between them. Yeah. Groot and Rocket doing their thing. Mm -hmm. Peter and Gamora doing their thing. Yeah. Drax being his weird self with w- all of them. I like, would say uh, Drax and... And Mantis, and Mantis in the second movie. Yeah. They kind of gave him someone to pair off with. Right. But all these interpersonal, even if it's just like the moments where Drax is kind of like ragging on Peter Quill, like you're just a small man. Like yeah. you, you're puny, like you're not a leader. Mm-hmm. So, like those moments that kind of... They show us how these characters are together and why they work together. Yeah. This movie had a few moments like that, but because this movie was just about three hours long and there were so many different plot points, Mm -hmm. I feel like they got lost. Like Druig before this movie came out, everybody thought he was going to be the one that turned because he's the brain controlling guy. Right. But in the end, he had such a a compassion for humanity that he took this group of people, Mm -hmm. maybe not like, ethically great but he mind controlled them to just stay out of it and like right kind of be peaceful yeah and then every once in a while he just wanted to flirt with makari because like yeah that was his thing i guess (laughs) so those things where it's like it showed his nature yeah and i feel like sprite kind of had that but at the same time it was just like Oh, this whole, Sprite just has a crush. Yeah. See, I I think what's sad and what really shows, like what really testifies to how little we know about the characters and the dynamic between all the characters mm-hmm. is that I believe that there is a stronger connection and a better love story between um, Kingo and his cameraman 
than I do between Circe and Icarus. <laughs> Circe and Icarus spent thousands of years together as lovers, but I do not feel that when they're on screen together. I feel a better bond between yes. this person that have only spent a human lifespan together. And it's because they had those more human interactions. Mm-hmm. Like some of the best character moments were uh, Gilgamesh and Thena when yeah. she's freaking out and he's just like, she could kill me at any second, but I am going like I'm being vulnerable to try to get her out of this Sprite when it's getting it was kind of closer to the end of the movie, but they kind of re- reveal that Sprite being this childlike entity has always wanted to live with humans, mm-hmm. but never growing up, especially when you look like a 12-year-old. And when you see a human 12-year-old, the next year they look completely different. Yeah. But Sprite doesn't. Yeah. You see that vulnerability, that kind of longing mm-hmm. to be more. where the people are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just need more of these like relatable experiences to kind of make us care about these characters. Yeah. And when there's a betrayal, there's a deviant evolving, there's a celestial, there's the the big celestial god betraying them or like wiping their memories. There's so many plots. Yeah. It gets so bogged down that it's just, I don't care. Yeah. And like, that's why this, there isn't going to be an Eternals 2. Yeah. Some of the characters are going to show up, but it's not going to be in a sequel. Yeah. Which is kind of a shame because, like I said, the characters themselves were really interesting when you think about them as, like, themselves. Yeah. But working together and seeing them in a team setting, it didn't really yeah. work well. But, um, yeah, so basically, our way of saying how we think the movie could have been better, split it into two films, focus on one big bad guy at a time, let yeah. us see them struggle as a team, show us some team building Make mm. us feel for them as individuals and see them working together with a good relationship or having some interesting humane dynamics within the relationships. And dial back the time skips. Jesus. Yeah, the back and forth, back and <laughs> forth, back and forth. I do, before we move on, want to mention the one thing that has been really bothering me that I think is a huge um, plot hole Okay. that maybe someone out there can clarify for me. And that is the whole Thanos thing. I'm still conflicted on that. I know they brought it up and they tried to explain it away. I still don't buy it. Because later on, after they said why they didn't interfere with Thanos, it's brought up that Thanos actually did delay the birth of the Celestial in wiping out half of humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw that Thanos had completely destroyed planets he had succeeded and not had that reversed in having half of humanity be wiped out. Back when he took Gamora, he did that on her planet. Yeah. He lined them up, split them up, just had his army kill half of them. Are we to believe that those planets didn't have Celestials at the core of them? Why not? And if they did, why wasn't he dealt with by this weird space Celestial god (laughs) and been like no you're screwing up my plan these celestials need to be born you're a problem get the heck out of here so i'm gonna take your your thought one step deeper okay in the post credit scene we see eros Mm -hmm. the brother of thanos a fellow eternal yeah so that means that thanos is an eternal because he's the brother but here's the thing in the comics 
Thanos is an eternal with the deviant gene. Okay. So Thanos is a deviant. They should have interfered. Yeah. So if anybody knows the answer to these two questions, (laughs) just let us know in the Discord or on Instagram because if you can explain it to us that makes sense, cool. If not, man. If somebody doesn't, please explain this to me. Raging plot hole. If someone does not explain this to me, you know that like five years from now, I'll be awake at 3 a.m. being like, (laughs) why? Why didn't they interfere? (laughs) Why didn't anybody do something about Thanos? He stopped the birth of the Celestials. (laughs) So on to this week's Daredevil episodes. We watched episodes five and six. Yes. (laughs) And there were some pretty good action scenes and character moments that I thought helped shape who these characters were. But overall, these are some of the less... Heavy and shocking, consequential. Yeah, episodes. like I found these episodes were mostly character building episodes. Yeah. So we see more of who, where their morals lie, who they are as people, and um, when they're conflicted or challenged by a person they care about, how do they react by that? Mm-hmm. So in these two episodes, like we had Fisk and his girlfriend i forget her name see i'm horrible with names vanessa Vanessa. yes vanessa so we had her and him getting back together after the disaster that was his first date that resulted in car smashing brain splatter and uh (laughs) and we have daredevil and claire Mm. both of these yeah so we have both of these where they're kind of challenged by each other they're challenged by their their lover yeah. To question where their loyalties lie and why they're doing what they do. And is it really for what they say or is that an excuse to just continue to do what they're doing? Yeah. Are they cruel for the sake of being cruel? Mm-hmm. I say that because that's a line. And I, well, I thought that they, that this was a really interesting parallel because here you have the villain and you have the hero, but they're essentially doing the, they're, they're wanting the same outcome. They have the same goal. They want to clean the city. They want to better the city that they care about. But they're doing it in different ways. But there's also a very scary fine line in these different ways. Like how different are the ways in which they're trying to do it. Which is what Claire is bringing up mm-hmm. when she kind of challenges Matt in his apartment. Like you said that you enjoyed this. He said you said you didn't believe that. She said... Because I can't fall in love with someone who believes that, that whole thing. And then later (laughs) she says something like, I can't watch you become the person that you're trying to like destroy or you're trying to stop or something. Yeah, it's it's kind of a a weird spin on it seeing the similarities yet with that fine line that you said. Because in fisk's date with vanessa the follow-up when he's going over like the kind of person he is he's being honest he's explaining to her that he wants to better the city but you can't redeem what is how far it's gotten Mm -hmm. so you have to break things to put them back together right and he says he's regretted a lot of the things he's had to do or like he's done things he's not proud of. Yeah. Like she brought a gun to the date and he calls her out on it because the whole theme of their date is honesty. Mm -hmm. And which I think was also really interesting because this is a villain and we don't know villains to be 
honest. Yeah. They're liars, cheaters. Like, they're going to do everything to get things to go their way. They're going to, you know, lie to get what they want. But he was being very... We see him very vulnerable. Vanessa allows us to see him from a vulnerable perspective. And, yeah, so she brought the gun to the date because she felt that he was a dangerous man. In which he explains, like, I've done things that I'm not proud of. But I have to do that to better this city because I care about this city. Whereas Daredevil on top of that roof in, like, episode two Mm -hmm. is, like, I... I'm doing this because I like it. Yeah. I want you to know that you are in pain because I like that you are in pain. Yeah. And to see the villain be so, I guess, eloquent and rationalized Mm -hmm. and the hero be just kind of a maniac. (laughs) Yeah. It's, It's a weird twist that comes up later in the episode. Yeah. That these guys are running parallel lines. Yeah. And then you also have, like, also in, like, kind of a third story point in these two episodes, you have Foggy and... um, Karen. Karen, yes. (laughs) Um, They are doing the things the lawful way. They're trying to be good people and follow the law at the same time. You know, that whole theme of you can be a hero... And just be a person, right? That's yeah. kind of what we just got from Hawkeye. That's the same sort of theme that we see with with Karen and Foggy. And so they had to visit the law firm in which Matt and Foggy rejected a job offer because they were like, we would rather have no money but protect innocent people than to be sellouts, have a ton of money, and protect the slum bags of the city. Yeah. The slum lords, scumbags. That's what that was. <laughs> um, the big old scuzzos. Yeah. So he's, and so then he's doing the right thing and he had to go revisit and he was reminded by his ex girlfriend exactly why they do what they do. We've so far seen Foggy be very conflicted like, oh, we have no money. I really like money. I want money. Why didn't we take that job again? Oh, I should have opened a butcher shop. Like, <laughs> I feel like friggin' butcher shop story. <laughs> revisiting the firm that he chose to left to leave um, reminded him why they left in the first place, and it encouraged him. Like I am going to be a good person, and he goes and he tries to help their client rebuild yeah. their apartment building. Yeah, it's funny because in our first Daredevil episode, I was saying like Foggy, like, he's not a great guy. Yeah, but. This episode really turned that around because all we've seen from him is, man, we need to take more cases. We need more money. We need all that. He's been all about money and women. Oh, how does Matt always get the hot chicks? He's blind. How does he know that they're hot? To be fair, he still threw those lines in He did, yes. But he also had his kind of talking to his lawyer ex being like, you're trash, kid. Yeah. (laughs) Get out of here, you soulless cretin. (laughs) And he also went to this very poor, rundown apartment building and just repaared some walls. Yeah, for free. Like, he wasn't getting paid. He's not on the clock to do that. I believe in lawyer term, that's called pro bono. Pro bono. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So that was a good turning point for Foggy, but it was also, it reminded me a lot of what we were being reminded of in 
Hawkeye about just ordinary people being heroic and doing All the right you gotta thing. All you got to do is stand up for what's right. Yeah. So then, yeah, we come full circle where finally at the end of episode six, we are, we actually have the villain and our hero communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. And Fisk has set Daredevil up in a very well thought out plan to make him the villain, to make Daredevil look like the bad guy. And I thought for Fisk, again, this was a really good character, pivotal moment where we've seen him be just a monster, like a rage machine. We've seen him be vulnerable with Vanessa. We've seen him be very just like bossy and like, you're going to listen to me and blah, blah, blah with all of his fellow criminals and then finally we see like no he thinks everything out every step of the way there's a reason behind what he has just done why he is the kingpin yeah because you can always just be this giant beefcake man squishing heads indoors yeah but to run the city the way he is Mm -hmm. he shows why Mm mm-hmm now, when they're communicating, he's, he says, me and you, we're the same. We want the same thing for the city. I'm just willing to do more. Yeah. And I think that is really the big difference between the two because he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. They are quite similar. Yeah. And the episode set us up to show us how similar they are. At the same time, the episode showed how different they are mm-hmm. because in this building that daredevil is stuck in he is stuck with the the remaining russian brother yeah who has been shot with the wound cauterized bullet inside not having a great day mm-hmm. and he could simply leave this guy there to bleed out yeah. and just be done with it he didn't shoot him it's not his problem but he takes that very typical like superhero trope of we don't kill Mm-hmm. to the next level and just doesn't give that apathy of letting them die either. Yeah. He he does just about everything he could to get that dirt bag out of that building. Now, that wasn't just for the sake of being a good person, I mean, though. Yeah, he wanted information, but he could have gotten out of that building. He could have used other means to find out information that he was looking for. Mm-hmm. Because he, I mean, he's a lawyer. He's in with all the criminals and apparently corrupt police officers Yeah, constantly. I'm sure he's going to hear something eventually. Right. But uh, he makes that choice to save this guy. He even calls Claire and convinces her to help him figure out how to keep him yeah. alive. It was very much like constantly it's for the greater good kind of attitude like yes he's a dirtbag but in saving him we'll find out more information that will help us take down fisk which will be the greater good Mm -hmm. for the city um yeah so i also really liked what that presented to us in terms of the russian brother vladimir like yeah he the whole time he's stubborn as hell he's not letting anything up he's like i'd rather die whatever i don't care like you're not you're working with yeah. fisk i don't trust you um and just being 
really difficult <laughs> the whole time. And finally, at the end, he knows he's dying. And he's like, you know what? I've decided I've made the decision that I would rather help you get away and not get caught than to have you get caught and let Fisk win. Yeah. So it's like, if I have to choose between you and Fisk, I guess I'll choose you. Give me that gun. I'll shoot however many people I can shoot before I die so that you can get away. And I felt that that was, in a way, redeeming for him and his character to go out that way and making that choice. Yeah. Because it was kind of prideful, which is who he is as a as a character. But it was also in favor of the greater good as well. Yeah. So, yeah, just an overall uh, just character building couple episodes, finding out more about where their morals lie, what to them is the greater good, and being challenged by significant others, people they care about, challenging those morals even further. Yeah, these episodes really helped you see kind of the... I mean, to beat the dead horse, the similarities between these two... <laughs> very stubborn yeah uh characters how each one of them can be such a like a heavy hitter for their cause mm -hmm. bettering this city and the last thing i want to say is how great a villain is that they firmly believe they are doing the right thing yeah look at thanos he however twisted his thought process was yeah was convinced that this was for the betterment of the universe mm -hmm. it was completely unbiased random we'll wipe out half the world and we will have so many more resources you'll never go hungry you'll never want anything you yeah. have it yeah and that helped like his skewed perspective of what is right and wrong yeah made him such a compelling victim yeah. Victim. Uh, <laughs> Villain. <laughs> Kingpin, he has that same kind of skewed morality where he is under the firm belief, mm -hmm. at least at this point it is portrayed this way, he is going to better this city by burning it down and rebuilding it from the ashes. Yeah. He thinks this place is so broken, so corrupt that this is the best way to do it. Yeah. And just um, elaborating more on your whole, like, villains are better this way kind of thing, <laughs> um, just at how much more compelling they are, too, when they actually firmly and deeply believe that what they're doing is the right and the best thing to do. It's such a, it's a better motivator. They're willing to fight so much harder when they believe that when they believe that what they're doing is for the betterment of everyone they think that they're yeah. selfless rather than someone who's like doing it for money they just want to be rich or like yeah. they're just doing it for power it's not about that for him it's about i believe that i am going to make this city better for everybody if i do this yeah and it's just like why are you standing in the way of this progress yeah exactly it's so interesting especially when you have just the great similarities yet differences between who we're rooting for and who we're rooting against. And the show did it so wonderfully. 
like giving us those parallels, having those added people in there that bring out those features in the characters yeah. and them being almost mirrored. It's insane. Beautiful. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really great time. So let us know your thoughts on Daredevil episodes five and six, um, as well as answer our questions about why the Eternals didn't stop Thanos. He's a deviant. He was fucking up their plans. Explain it to us, please. <laughs> and then finally, who is your favorite villain who has such a compelling argument to their madness that you you root for them? Yeah. Let us know that. Discord, Instagram, you know where to find it. Thank you, everyone, so much for being here. Thanks for all the newcomers who are just joining us. And thanks to all of our loyal, longtime listeners. We appreciate you all. Don't forget to download this episode and please recommend us to a friend. We will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.